Hi, everyone. Welcome to the ImpactVest podcast, transformative global innovation in a new era of impact. I'm Aisha Williams, the founder and CEO of ImpactVest. And along with our guest host, we aim to inspire and motivate towards collective positive global impact to solve our world's most pressing challenges in sustainability. With each episode, we will engage in insightful conversations with global change makers, visionaries, and sustainability activists who wish to build a more sustainable and resilient future. Join us now as we create the future of impact. Hi, everyone, and welcome back to our podcast. Today, we have our CEO roundtable of quarter two, and I have the pleasure of being joined by three great CEOs and entrepreneurs. And today, we're going to be speaking about the current fundraising landscape. We are at the midpoint of the year, so this is a really good moment to speak about what we anticipate going forward for the rest of the year and the opportunities and challenges facing us both in the macro micro in our companies. Um, so I will start with you, Hakeem, if you want to go ahead and introduce yourself. Yeah. Hi, um, great to be here. Um, hello, Aisha again, and my other colleagues, Jacqueline, Tumi. Um, my name is Akim Jimo. Um, I'm based in Lagos, Nigeria. I'm the co-founder and CEO of Veggie Victory. That's Nigeria's um, plant-based food company. We are um, manufacturing an alternative protein, plant-based, of course. Um, yes, and in that way, revolutionizing the old meat um, scene in Africa. Great. Thanks, Hakeem. And I'll go to you next, Jacqueline. Hello, everyone. Uh, so my name is Jacqueline Gompi. I'm based in Paris, France. Um, I'm originally from Cameroon and... I'm the founder of CEO of a company called Little Africa that is specialized into arts and culture from the continent and its diaspora. And uh, we are focusing on creating content, publishing. Um, we have a retail distribution place. And of course, we do also consultancy. Thank you. And to me, I will go to you next. Um, hi, everybody. I'm Timmy Frazier, co-founder of Fourth Wave Tech. Fourth Wave Tech is into clean technology. We develop clean technology um, through artificial intelligence and machine learning to um, help small farmers increase yield while preserving natural resources and, of course, using more data-driven farming. So um, it's, it's, it's really good to hear, Hakeem, what you are doing um, uh, in terms of your veggie company so it, it's really good to be here and i look forward to hearing more about um your businesses thank you to me and it's such a pleasure to have all three of you here speaking at the roundtable today you have great businesses i'm very inspired about what you're launching and working on um, and I wanted to speak a bit about the challenges and opportunities that you all face in the current fundraising landscape. And so, and so this hasn't been an easy start to 2023. Uh, lots of market volatility and some projected on the horizon for the rest of the year going into 2024. Just to start out, I'll start with you, Tumi. What do you see going forward for the rest of the year in terms of fundraising, um, being able to scale your company and build partnerships? 
Um, so right now I am, you know, of course I'm raising funds as it is, uh, but I'm looking at uh, more impact funding globally. Um, I think the challenge in, in, in South Africa or even Africa, South Africa is going through a major um, economic crisis, like I said, even the energy crisis itself. So locally, you know, money is really um, tight. But then also on the global landscape, what I am seeing is really, um, especially in the VC space, because I've been actually shying away from VCs, but really looking at um, whether uh, development agencies, etc. because I, I, re I realized that VCs do not really understand, especially the global ones, do not understand the landscape of Africa. Um, I think they have different um, biases, they have different expectations um, because especially when you're working if you are just working with impact ventures like ourselves sometimes that needs to actually educate farmers small people who may not even have those kind of you know um, the kind of income or even the the um, technologies that we are actually bringing to the table so it's, it's almost like you need somebody who can actually who catches on on their vision and i see the gaps in the global vc space that they don't understand the landscape of africa first of all so it's almost like we need uh, funding that is actually appropriate for africa and that that where vcs look at africa at a different lens i think that that for me is what we need I think that's such a great point to me is, is about looking at diversified funding sources um, because that may be what the volatility has shown entrepreneurs that it's necessary uh, also to look at who you want to partner with um, in terms of funding and do they really have an understanding about your venture and, and what you're launching and the local landscape. And do you find the same, Akeem, in Nigeria? Yeah, it's it's a bit tricky. You know, um, I totally understand and I have similar experiences what um, Chumi is saying. I think it's very fragmented. You know, um, Africa on the global landscape was always uh, on its own in a way. You know, the um, foreign direct investment was always different. Um, it changed a bit with... Um, those big um, tech companies, for the first time, we have unicorns, you know, um, uh, Paystack, Flutterwave, I think most of them are even in, in Nigeria. So that that was for me like the, the, the um, um, a new moment that big money, VC money can actually flow to Africa. You know, that wasn't the case before, at least in not in the non-oil um, sector or extractive sectors. You know, that, those guys always have money. You know, it's not a problem to, to fund $5 billion for a new oil field. But in uh, non-extractive uh, sectors, it was very rare. Um, and now, if you are in, in one of those fintech guys, great. You know, then you're playing in a different league because you are in, uh, in the Y Combinator and then you have access. So that actually also um, went down a bit. I mean, that is the global trend, um, rising um, interest rates, um, venture capital is not as free as before. But now we all have um, businesses that are not like that. You know, we don't have a fintech business or um, AI, <laughs> but I, at least, I don't know. Um, 
maybe Tumi has an AI as AI dream. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> no, you you are quite uh, correct, Hakim. I think um, the funds that are available right now are tech driven um, because I think that's where the VCs are looking for the next best thing. And especially when you're talking ESG, climate change. I mean, I've had people even reaching out to me from the US side and say, "Hey, you know, we see you are into climate change. You know, clean tech. Uh, are you looking for funding? And which markets are you?" you know at so there are monies in in the technology space it's just really finding i think for me also i look beyond the money you know because it's easy to get the money the key is the vision and also um access to the networks that the funder may bring along you know what i mean because those are also critical for me so so i'm 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 fortunate that i'm in the tech industry and and i see a little bit in fact after this meeting at about 9 i'll be joining a um a vc that focuses on women from canada and because i'm part of an accelerator one of the cohorts from uh new brunswick uh, brunswick university where you know i i was one of the key people who made it into the accelerator so those kind of i find that the partnerships like those you know like accelerators and networks um they they also help to uh bring exposure to what we do and 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 some people then call out and say hey we want to meet some of your cohort and let's see what they're doing and how we can actually help them so yeah there there there's truth in technology when you in tech the likelihood of getting funds is higher than non tech um 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 kind of solutions and i'm 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 lucky that i have ai machine learning and now you know getting into chat chat gpt and then also a bit of financial uh technology because i come from the fintech space i came so i understand yeah. and then i mean you said it that um that is great that you can tick that box but still i feel you always need this impact angle you know or oh, yeah. i mean not always but uh, um, uh, chances are much bigger if you have also the impact angle so a Absolutely. meaningful business like jacqueline um because i think entrepreneurs like us we are when you live on the continent you see that goodness there's really a lot of um issues here you know um can't just come here and make money i mean uh, unless you're really a bit schizophrenic you know um and and then immediately you are in this impacting but i think it's also good because um there is impact funds out there you know um um they they know they they have to do something in africa it's the right time you might not get millions like a silicon valley company from from impact donors but we don't probably don't need that much money you know i think what we need here what a lot of entrepreneurs need is like even $5000 10000 20 50 is even a lot you know for for many of us you know um but um, see how came exactly what you saying sorry to break you out because we don't need that kind of money you may not seem attractive you see because it's like oh no you know what talk to me if you need 10 10 million us dollars or 20 you know so so this is where there's a mismatch in terms of what the real dynamics are um and what we really need 
Yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah, it's an excellent point because I think from, from the VC side, uh, with, with which is what we're working on, is that we're saying if we truly want to deploy capital towards positive impact and real positive impact, what we have to start doing is changing funding models and changing narratives. Right? We, we have to extend the time horizon. We have to um, really define what kind of impact we're speaking about uh, because if those underlying funding models don't change on the venture capital side, it becomes very difficult to justify the deployment of capital here, right? And so there's an underlying shift that, that has to happen within the funding model about kind of the role of capital and the purpose of capital. Um, and Jacqueline, do you find it's the same thing based in Paris? Um, do you do you find that fundraising for your company is easier or more challenging or are, are there just a different set of criteria? Fundraising is also very difficult here uh, for entrepreneurs from the diaspora because first of all, I am into what it's called, I mean, has been identified for the last five years as the ECC, which is cultural and creative industry. But before that, there were no title for companies like mine that are specialized into different fields, but still in the cope of culture and creative industry. So I remember starting when really have starting to have conversation about fundings and learning about the VC and business angel having, you know, the advice or have made people in financial field who well, letting me know that my, my business model is too complicated for financial, for VCs and stuff, because we're doing too many things. And it's hard for them to, to actually understand the different source of revenue for the company. So right now that we are growing, uh, I know that tomorrow, if I want to raise money, I will have to create a holding and separate and make companies of the different activities because... I don't want to go like to find myself in a conversation where it feels like we need to drop one sector or I don't master one sector when actually they work all together. So for example, the tourism works with all of the other activity. It brings us people in the retail store, the retail store is independent, but the retail store is the distribution also of our product and other product. We do consultancy. Uh, we can sell also our different other services and we do publishing. We produce content. So for VC, it's too complicated. I think that just like with banks, there are some models that are set up and scale model. Like you just need to, just like Hakim was saying, they tick their box that are ticked and creative company cannot match that part. Uh, it's too complicated. So that's the first difficulty. The second difficulty is that because I'm based in Paris, but I'm African descent. So I'm French, but everything that is related to Africa, you being, you see that all the fundings require to be in Africa. So if you're not based on the continent, you cannot apply or actually be validated for some of the fundings that exist, whatever is public funding or public funding. And now that Africa it has become very, you know, it's rising, it's a trend. Everybody are hearing about the fast growing country and economy. If you're not based there, it, you look like just like over regular European companies. So you don't pick the box that says that you are an African company 
but they see that you are a French company based in Paris, even if you are African descent. So one of the other solutions that I have seen a lot of my friends leaving France, Europe and going settling themselves on the continent so that they can be identified as African company and capture some of the fundings and ads that are coming from overseas, you know, and also, yeah, be in that scope of African, you know, companies. So it's quite different for the, 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 it's very difficult for the company in the diaspora. So for now, the only way we have been able to raise funds is through crowdfunding campaign. Um, and through, uh, some funds, you know, um, that are right now the strategies maybe to see if as a black woman, maybe I have more chance if I more market my company has a black woman, female owned business and try to more capture, capture those fundings rather than being just Afro-descent company and um yeah and and so the challenges seems like are, are are in the funding models um within the VCs and then we go to the banks um uh, because it one thing I think that that the market volatility has you know, forced all companies to do is um have many funding uh, sources many revenue sources um, it's it's smart to do that for for your business right um especially if if we find ourselves in volatile markets um but the funding models definitely have to catch up to the reality in the market and and that's what we speak about also is that um if we're speaking about positive impact the most amount of positive impact that we can make is in the global south and on the african continent and so those are the models that that we have to shift we also have to shift the funding models to reflect the reality of the markets uh they're volatile uh uh where we have to navigate very choppy waters here um and as entrepreneurs what what do we do? We, we have to build business models that are resilient business models. But these, like you were saying, Jacqueline, these are the business models that um, maybe don't look like the ones that VCs and banks are used to uh, because maybe they haven't caught up to the reality in the markets yet, right? And so, and so there's definitely a gap that is happening, there's, um, which creates, I think, a lot of opportunity on the funding side for the VC, but that requires a, a knowledge of what is actually happening in the real market and then um, adapting their funding model to, to fit the reality, right? Um, and out of the funding that, that you've been able to receive, uh, what has been the difference in terms of perspectives and outlooks from those investors or those funders uh, in contrast to the funding that you weren't able to receive, what do you see as the main difference right right now in investors who are willing to invest and willing to deploy capital? Um, so for me, I'll go first. For me, it's really been um, the, the the funding that I was able to uh, source, which was more um, from the safe investment side of things. Um, through it was definitely not through a VC, but more um from a um an innovation um fund of some sort foundation um and and the key there is i think the perspective was um you know they wanting to invest in people 
you know, when you invest in the founder and we invest in the vision of the founder and really wanting to make an impact as well, because their focus um, was both in clean technology, more sustainability focus. So, so I think that combination and, and even the, the terms of the safe investment was really, really unheard of, um, especially for, for a startup like myself. So, which has actually given me a very good, um, basis for negotiation moving forward with whoever else that I'm going to bring on board because already I'm starting at a very good, negotiating face and I can determine if that investor is really, you know, uh, worthy of coming in because they got to come in almost at the same, um, you know, um, level as the one that we already have. So I think that for me, it was really the flexibility of just saying, you know what, I love, um, I'm actually supporting you, the driver, the founder behind this vision, um, because I believe in you. Right. And that's such a great point to me because I think when in investors believe in the founder, believe in the vision and mission, then it's also trusting founders to be able to navigate. And mm-hmm. so they, they, they don't have to know as much about the local market, but, but they know that you do. Right. And, and, and so it's that trust. I think that investors can place, um, to overcome the challenges that that they may um, see on the horizon in terms of investing in the global south and on the African continent, right? But but to have that faith in people and in founders um, definitely has to come from the VC side and from the investor side. And have you seen the same, Hakeem, with investors um, who have spoken to you and that you've been able to raise from this this sense that, that they believe in you as the founder and in your vision? You mentioned the word uh, trust. You know, I think that is really um, critical here in Africa. My experience is that rounds here take longer anyway. It's not like, oh, I'm starting a round and then in three months it's closed. It can, it's basically a continuous thing. So I think it's because um, foreign money, they want to know who's there in Africa. There is... You mentioned it, there's a lot of knowledge gap. You can really go with the wrong people. You know, there's, people are not very used to Africa. Very few have traveled there. I just, uh, uh, I've been in, in discussion with the, with the um, investor from Japan. You know, they, you can see literally, they want to do something, but they really take time to really, if you're consistent, you know, and I think it's, it's the trust thing. Yes. And in every startup business in the beginning, you invest in people, you know, because yeah, that's really, uh, that's, that's one of the ways to do investments, I guess. You, know? uh, you can't really say much about the company. It's uh, are the founders, um, the right people, you know, and then again, plus the African context. Um, so for me, it's a, uh, I can't really say it has something changed in one year and, and two years and in a few months. It's a continuous process. It takes longer. You know, I even came across a, an article on LinkedIn that um, um, the investment amount in Africa is actually at a, uh, it came up again in 2023. Uh, so, I mean, have I gotten some money out of that? Yeah, no, I guess uh, only a, a small portion, you know, but apparently 
the the uh, the top numbers are up again. You know, I don't know if that's again for the fintechs. You know, but um, so it's it's really um, we are. I think in Africa we are we are on our own um, speed. You know, like uh, we 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 don't really follow um, global trends, and then it depends on your on your sector. So for me, nothing much has changed. Um, a conversation starts with a with an investor, and it. It can go on for a year. You know, it's very rare that somebody comes in and the next month you have uh, you have um, uh, signed the deal. I mean, unless it's like a personal introduction. But then again, that's also the personal level. You know, we, we got one small investment um, that went uh, within a few weeks. You know, but it was by introduction then. Do you find the same, Jacqueline, with investors who? you've been able to fundraise from that they believe in you as the founder or, or do they want to know about more about the fundamentals of the business before they invest? I have people who are interested, uh, of course, because of, you know, the founder and the mission and, um, and the, 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 the scale that they can see. Um, from now, right now, I have been more having those interests pending, you know, and not really trying to, because I made one mistake in the past, something that I have learned also is that people can be very interested and approach you and say that they are very interested. And then you, you start the process and then it will cost you more when it's not, it's not happening than, you know, um, than anything else. So I, for us, it's more like for now is for now, frankly, to be honest, I'm more, I'm not sure anymore if a VC it's, Something that really can can match the way how a company is set up. For the, one of the reason is that we are doing um, we are in the field of culture and expect the result. You know, um, the frame and the time frame that the VC works. I, I'm not sure that it can goes with our business model that way, unless it's a VC that is really concerned and driven by the impact and understand the fields of culture, you know, and creativity, because things do not happen in the time frame of a year or two years, you know, it takes time. So I'm more into that part. And I think that for us, for example, the question of more having business angel, it's more something that we more think about um, because we know that these are individuals who can even be more invested in the daily operations, you know, um, and mentoring, you know, and uh, help us navigate rather than VC who will, who will require from us report, reportings, you know, result. And adding that pressure in a field where we need to educate people and make change, have them change them. I, I'm not sure that this is something to, to, to integrate too early in, in maybe in our company, even if we're eight years already. But it's just that at that level where I am, which is, you know, really questioning myself about who, who will be the right investor for our business model. And so it's about building the right partnerships with investors um, and and not just the VC or investor themselves. Yeah. I think at the beginning I was really like five years ago, I would be like, yes, I, I need I need money, I need money, you know, and just like Akeem and to me were talking at the beginning, I also learned that having being in the need of a hundred 
thousand K it's nothing for a VC. Like you need to really go and start thinking 500, half a million and a million. Then you, you start really having people who are, who can be interested. But then the more I'm growing, the more I'm understanding who are our customer, the more I'm thinking that I really need to make, to have the right partner, right? Rather than just, you know, a VC. Right. And speaking about customers, uh, there, there's been lots of media about uh, growth on the African continent. McKinsey actually stated in their report, Reimagining Economic Growth in Africa, that there is potential to unlock more than $3 trillion in consumer spending. And so what do you think about um, the numbers in their report? Do you actually see this in your businesses at the moment, the potential for consumer spending, um, the growth that that many reports are speaking about? I can go. I think for me in the food sector, in the agricultural sector, while right now things are a little, you know, um, um, the, the economies are struggling a little bit because they haven't actually, we haven't actually recovered from um, the impact of the COVID-19 pandemic. However, Africa is a very young, um, you know, continent um, comprising of youth, younger people. And so over time, um, they grow, you know, there is going to be demand even in South Africa, that population growth is projected um, because, you know, um, people are you know, are, are going to go to university, they're going to get jobs, etc. have children, and there's going to be demand for food. And not just food, but more nutritious food, because customers are becoming more, or rather consumers are becoming more in, informed about, you know, the need for nutritious food, especially coming out of COVID. So, yes, the population um, growth, in fact, when you look at Africa, Africa is where uh, babies are being born where other parts of the world, you know, that is, it, it's actually declining. So the African population is correct. That study is correct. It will continue to increase. Um, and because we have more challenges, those challenges actually presents opportunities. Um, so that is why Africa is always going to be the land of opportunities because that's where entrepreneurship is. That's what entrepreneurship is, is about. You know, we are here to solve challenges and the kind of challenges that are here require innovation um so all of that goes hand in hand and of course consumer spending as population growth increases and uh, people move to urban areas um education level increases you know the buying power increases exactly and do you see the same hakeem uh, in veggie victory do you do you see the rise in consumer spending and growth yeah, well, you know, uh, reports like this, you know, it, it makes you believe like, uh, oh, you just need to be an entrepreneur and you've made it, you know, but it's, it's not like that, you know, it can, um, the market is uh, also, again, very, very funny sometimes, you know, just to give you an example, um, um, beer brewers in Nigeria, they figured out that the competition is actually not among them. You know, it's not whether you're drinking Heineken or Budweiser or Trophy, but people are buying recharge cards for um, tele-networks, phone cards. And what that tells you is um, 
So growth is not linear here. There are many businesses that are failing because they don't have the right product market fit. Maybe the, the um, purchase power increases, but definitely the consumer, I mean, the, the consumer numbers are increasing. So, I mean, uh, if we're doubling the population, obviously people have to eat more, but what are they eating now? You know, uh, there's a reason why um, suddenly you'll find um, very inexpensive food or, for example, they bring in um, frozen chicken from, from China because it's cheaper, not because it's more sustainable. Uh, it's quite the opposite, you know, but just because it's cheaper. But somebody who is doing um, a local manufactured uh, nutritious food might still go downside because the people cannot afford it, you know. So, yeah, I think those numbers always, you know, Africa has always been the land of opportunity. And then you're really wondering, oh, since 50 years, we are uh, like Nigeria is always the sleeping giant, you know, um, since I, I can hear that. Um, you need to figure out what works, you know. Um, premium products, I, I doubt it. I wouldn't touch it. You know, there is a class that is growing, but the, uh, the masses of the population is, uh, they can't afford premium products, you know, whether it's uh, uh, whatever it is, you know, um, um, if something is cheaper, you can bet that they're buying the cheaper ones, you know, whether it has, um, yeah, most of the time it's lesser quality, comes with its own problems. Um, yeah, those are the challenges. And uh, uh, Jacqueline is right, you know, um, uh, it's not, the game is not really about uh, fundraising, it's about um, um, making money as a company, you know, because fundraising sounds uh, always very, oh, cool, you know, but it's actually quite expensive on the long term. You know, you're giving equity away. I know you need some money. I mean, we have seen it. The moment we got some money, we could suddenly do a lot of things. And I think we would have, we wouldn't be here anymore if we wouldn't have um, raised some money. But ultimately, you still need to earn money as a company. There's no way around it. You know, it's not a Ponzi scheme that you keep on raising. Uh, and that is what's happening, I think, um, with a lot of startups globally that uh, they were building their business model on raising funds and suddenly it's not as easy and next thing is they are going under because they, they are still not making money and in Africa you have to earn money as soon as possible you know so um, if you can if if you can break even that's fantastic and ultimately the VCs are understanding that they're they looking at oh this company is already making money this is much better than any fancy silicon valley uh, company because they are not making money in 10 years yeah maybe their bet is much bigger but um everything has rebased you know so i think in africa we are always very resilient we don't have much resources we need to we need to grow up fast <laughs> even even as a company so sales is wh where it is you know um I, I I don't bank on um, on fundraising, you know. That should I, be a plan B, you know, or a nice to yeah. have, but it shouldn't be the main, at least not in my sector. Okay, if I can just add what uh, Hakim has said, 
I think that um, ultimately, of course, you got to make money. That's what otherwise, you know, why are you in business? I mean, that that's a big question. Uh, but then, of course, it's sector specific. Like you've just said, Hakeem, in technology, um, it's, it's, you need a lot of money to create <laughs> technologies. Um, you know, you can start. I mean, I started with some of my funds. You can move it to a certain level. And then when you got to iterate, you, you, you know, you always have to, there's a building block. Um, but the sooner you, you, you actually make money, the better. Um, I think, uh, the other point you mentioned about, um, understanding, I think, um, about the consumer spending is really understanding what the customer needs because customer needs continue to change, especially right now with inflation, post COVID, everyone is going for lesser, you know, something that's cost effective. Um, the middle class is dwindling. Um, and they themselves, because they're under so much pressure, um, it, it's almost like you gotta go, there, there's always money at the bottom of the pyramid, if you know what I'm saying. If you go to the communities where instead of buying, selling in box, you will you know, you'll see, um, community, unserved communities starting to buy things in little packs in, you know, singular and whatever. So you got to actually go with that and say, right now, what are the people buying? So even if it's something, it doesn't actually have to be poor quality. It can still be good quality, but they, they don't want it in, in a packet. You may want to sell it individually. Um, you know, so that's what I'm seeing. It's, it's just being flexible and versatile enough to capture the millions at the bottom of the pyramid that are needing that are still looking for services and they are unserved that's where the money is at and i think what you're both saying is is that focusing on resilient businesses that are already making a profit uh, should be part of the bc model um, from the very beginning and and it's and it's not. Right? It's uh, there. There, there are many businesses who just focus on the next round, and and they don't make profits for years. Um, and that's becoming more common. And like you were saying, Hakeem, um, so common that it's becoming the standard VC model. And and what is not the standard is actually having a profitable business from the very beginning, right? And it's sort of the opposite. Um, but this is also what we are working on changing the narrative about when it comes to impact. Um, because in general, what we found in sustainability and impact, it because there are metrics that are asked of companies at the very beginning, and there may not be as much capital flowing towards these companies that like, like, like both of you were saying, um, uh, many businesses have to be profitable at very beginning, but that makes them very resilient businesses. And it's the resiliency that's needed within the market at the moment. As, as you see, the companies who have just focused on fundraising rounds now are having trouble in the current market, right? And, and so as we go forward, it is going to be the businesses who were forced to be resilient and profit-making from the very beginning who are able to scale. Um, and, and so but that goes back to changing funding models and, and what it actually means um, to scale a sustainable company um, and what it looks like, what, like what you were saying, Jacqueline, about building different 
revenue streams, it looks like this also, right? And so the, the market it has, is creating really resilient businesses. That should be the norm uh, for VCs on the, the other side here, right? And so as we go forward through the year, we're at the halfway point. Um, how do you see the landscape shifting or changing, or do you think it will? Do you do you think that when you speak to investors that they will come to a point where they understand that it's important to build resilient businesses with multiple revenue streams? But do you do you see the market going in this direction or do you feel like it's pretty much going to stay the same? I think I, I think that the market is going to remain the same because even business business angels, the, the the couple of them that I have been able to talk about, they are driven anyway by one. It's where to find someone who can see the big pic, the full picture, not the big picture, but the full picture and truly understand it. Um, most of the people who are able to, to invest are, don't have the time, so they cannot spend a year with you observing your business. So they will come to, there is, because there is one aspect of their business that basically attracts them or they see the potential in it, but it's rare for them to see the full potential. And I think it's just a way of how money, I mean, money or capitalism work. People want, I mean, yeah, there is a, an emergency of return on investment. So that's, that's why I think that it might not change because whatever it's VC or business angel, the, the result is the same at the end of the road is like, what is the return? If you cannot answer to that question to specifically for VC, like what will be the return? And I know it's a percentage that, that you need to throw up there. I'm unable to do that. I'm a creative. Um, my business is, uh, you know, I can, we sell from art, contemporary art pieces to just regular books, uh, streaming revenues. I mean, revenue are streaming from everywhere. So the margin, being able to, to analyze a business like this, I think that the market is not ready yet. It's not thinking like that. And even when I, once again, when I talk to the banker, the, based on the question that they are asking until today, it just it just seems like it's very it's standards that I think that is not going to work. Another example is that even all the foundings among the foundings and uh, 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 and of different programs and organizations that exist there, um, resilience is not something like you are considered a startup until seven years. For example, this is something that I learned last year by applying to a fund. I was like, oh. So after seven years, so I'm considered what? I'm considered like, I'm supposed to have stabilized my company and business model, which we are. But still, it means that we cannot apply anymore to any fundings program for either SVC or other international organizations. So where do we fit? Because we still need money. We still, when you hear that companies like Netflix or Airbnb or Soul House, are still not profitable after 10 or 15 years. So where do you put us <laughs> after seven years? Where where are we supposed to? So, yeah, it, it's very complicated because we need money. Uh, we need not that much money because the other phenomenon 
that is also growing and that really, really shocked me. And again, it's linked to the resilience is that I'm seeing lots of companies raising millions and closing after just a year of functioning, after receiving the money. It's very shocking to me. Um, and these money, these companies have received millions of investment after maybe just one year of functioning, like two years. So they haven't been able to prove they sell, they've raised money after an idea, uh, maybe, maybe a, pro a little proof of concept. But then when you take small business, businesses like us, you cannot understand how can you raise five, five millions money and then be closed after a year. But then when you go deep, you understand also what, what is required when you raise that type of money. All the management, the human resources that you hired, all the management, all the reporting, all the burning, you're burning cash because you're buying, you're investing and buying too many things. And then you cannot, you just burn. It, it really makes things about, is it more like where, where is the market want resilience company and company who has an impact to go? Do they want company that do good for society or they just want company that sells idea, do cash and then collapse and then we restart over? But I don't think that most of us here, we're not into those models. Yeah, and and we go back to um, models, and it's and it's really going back to um, when when we think about sustainability and impact. What we're we're doing, it's actually very difficult uh, to achieve positive impact if our models prioritize profits at all costs, and and that's what you're speaking about, Jacqueline. In our economic models have not changed, which which is why you why it's allowed for companies to fundraise just off of an idea and then they then they close um, and and that's that's within our current economic model right so so if we're speaking about driving capital specifically to the African continent and the global south and making positive impact we actually go back to having to change uh, these underlying economic models that that make constant rounds without profits uh, possible, right? And, and don't build resiliency or don't prioritize resiliency in companies from the very beginning, right? Um, uh, but that really goes, goes back to economic models um, uh, that really under in capitalism, right? Uh, that goes into VCs and, and, and goes into all of the investment strategies and models, um, that we use, right? So, so we're, so we're really speaking about systemic change that has to happen. Um, and, and that takes changing narratives. It, it takes presenting it, um, businesses who, who are making a positive impact like all of yours um, and and who are prioritizing impact and showing that that this is the way to build a profitable business and create impact um, and it's really the way forward right um, and and there is a kind of silver lining um, in the market at the moment because it because it's actually, separating out the businesses who are resilient and those who are not right and i think at the end of this 
market volatility when things start to stabilize, hopefully maybe in 2024 with the inflation and interest rates that we're experiencing. But uh, we will we will actually start to see differentiated business models that will then start to be incorporated into investor strategies, right? Uh, uh, because we can anticipate probably on the global stage that market volatility in some some form of it is here to stay. And so if it is, it actually starts to present business models that can withstand the volatility, right? And and that's what we're speaking about. Uh, um, I hope that businesses who who are focused on impact and sustainability um, are prioritized in terms of scaling rather than those who uh, want to fundraise very, very quickly um, and, and, and who don't show the positive impact that they're making. And so this is what all of your businesses are with doing very, very well is um, showing that the resiliency and um, positive impact in the market and and this will start to be incorporated into VC models and wider strategies in terms of investment. So it's a great roundtable today. Thanks to all of you for a great conversation and um, Definitely, I think there are many challenges and opportunities, but I do think that there is a silver lining. I think that by going through the volatility and and uh, presenting businesses that are doing very well focused on positive impact, that this will start to change narratives for investors, right? Because it, because what what happens is that only only the strong businesses will will be left, right? And so those are the ones who can navigate. Um, and and I and I think once that happens, then investment strategies will start to shift because it because it because it takes very very different skills to navigate this type of market. Thank you very much for coming to our roundtable. It's it's great to have. All Thank, you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Okay. Bye, everyone. Thank you, everyone, for listening to the Impact Vest podcast, transformative global innovation in a new era of impact. Join us next week for another episode and become part of our Impact Vest newsletter community, where you will receive all of the latest updates about our work in this new era of innovative impact finance. See you next week as we create the future of finance at Impact Vest.